Welcome back to Goonies World. My name is Goonie, also known as Colin, and I'm joined remotely once again by Johnny Farrow, also known as Sean. Hello, everybody. And by Meanie, also known as Ryan. Hello. And then we're back with our Druids of Dragondale games. Uh, what is this? The fourth one? Final? Yeah, it'll be our finale. The big finale of the Game Within a Game Druids of Dragondale episodes. Well, we uh, are, we join, I should say, um, Plunger and Chip and Dicky once again in the uh, loft area of Plunger's grandmother's detached garage. By this point, it is way too late. Um, you know, I mean, these these guys have been up, you know, all, all night and it's not quite dawn, but I mean, you know, they've been up playing this game, um, you know, for, for a while. Derek and uh, <laughs> I almost said Derek and the Dominoes, but no, uh, <laughs> Derek and the Dingleberries um, have long since uh, vacated. Um, they they did hang around for a while. I mean, they they unloaded all their gear and kind of sat around and you know chatted and smoked cigarettes and possibly other things. Yeah, and there's probably like a fridge down there in the corner, like an old refrigerator they put in the. And there's probably a couple, you know, beers in there and things like. Yeah, with like one of those, like one of those old '50s style refrigerators with like the little handle, like a latching handle, like the ones that kids. Oh yeah, would yeah, get yeah. Trapped inside and yeah, shit. Yeah, like the one that saved Indiana Jones from a nuclear bomb, those style refrigerators. Yeah, <laughs> right. Um, and uh, but you know they're still going at it. Um, got to uh, got to get. Uh, uh, Wendell Woolbeard and Mike Tyson and uh, Plunger's <laughs> character's name, whose name I forget. Silas. 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 The Silas. Through the uh, through the final dungeon, apparently to get a ring or something. Yes, I, I can't remember. Yeah. Yes. In fact, uh, and you can go back and listen to the last few episodes too. Uh, but they they're looking for a ring because if uh, they find a ring, they can marry the Amber Princess, or one of them can. And Mike Tyson is really the only viable candidate here because Wendell Wilbur is elderly and mm. uh, Harry. Let's see what Silas has to say about this. Silas has uh, got like facial scars and an eye patch and everything, and like Plunger, he's basically asexual. So uh, I don't, I don't think he'll be a viable candidate. But this ring went missing. The great Gelf Lord uh, Derek lost it long ago in the ruin called the Heap on the Borderlands. And after many adventures through the enchanted forest outside of uh, you know the the, the Tower Town, uh, these guys have. Uh, they finally reached the heap and they've gone inside the heap and they fought some monsters and finally descended into the lair of what promises to be the boss of this place the terrible eye tyrant so I don't know who that was just narrating all that he has an incredible voice anyway guys I think that uh, if everybody's uh, rested up I, I'm ready for the final uh, stretch of this game uh, I think we can get uh, finished before sunrise and uh, maybe still have time uh, to put in a John Carpenter movie okay let's push play 
All right, here we go. So there before you in this cavernous room in the pits beneath the heap of on the borderlands, you see the eye tyrant, this globular monster with six eye stalks, each with a little tiny eyeball at the end of them and one huge central eye and a huge mouth open with terrible teeth. He's floating around the room, held aloft by the power of levitation. And in the center of the room is a great crack in the earth. And if you recall, there is lava bubbling up from below. There's casting a blood red, eerie light throughout the room. And there is no negotiation with such a beast. The Eye Tyrant is one of the worst of all monsters. And I must ask that before you do anything else, you must immediately roll initiative. One person for your side, please roll a six sided dice. But there's no need for you to roll because luckily for you, I have just rolled a one and players always win ties. And therefore you will have a precious and much needed round of combat <coughs> before the terrible eye tyrant attacks. It does not speak. It merely emits low, almost inaudible growls. And you think there are some creepy sounding words hidden within those low growls, but it's impossible to tell. And, uh, since you have initiative and in combat situations, a pugilist always asks first, what do you do, Mike Tyson? Um, let me see. Uh, and you are currently at range. You would have to like move twice to get up close to the creature. That's how far away it is. So you're momentarily safe from any melee attacks, but you would need to run and charge up if you wanted to make one. Uh, is it in the range of my throwing axes? It certainly is. I'm going to throw a throwing axe. All right, hefting off the throwing axe, you hurl it through the smoky chamber. Ooh, uh, that's only going to be a 15. 15. I'm afraid the armor class of 18, as I was just about to tell you guys, of the terrible, and it has a thick chitinous-type skin around it. However, if you were to attack the central eyeball, you could do so at a minus 6 to your attack roll. And if you wanted to attack a tiny little eye on the eye stalk, you could do so at a minus 10 to your attack roll. Does that make sense, gentlemen? Yes, perfect sense. I know but you I already. I'm sorry, Dicky. Go ahead. I won't be, uh, hopefully, needing to know that because uh, I've got magic. You certainly do. But um, Chip, uh, Chip, Mike Tyson has something uh, sometimes equally as powerful as magic—the power of violence. Uh, however, you hurl the throwing axe, and it barely misses the thing passing uh, just nearby it and you, you, you're certain that a smug grin stretches across the eye tyrant's face as, it's, uh, as several of his eye stalks watch the trajectory of the axe which is now by the way lying on the other side of the crack with the lava in it uh, the, the eye tyrant in fact is floating above that crack at the moment but you could possibly leap the crack it's not terribly wide so let me just continue to set that uh, visual in your mind of the room. Phyleth, meanwhile, 
is going to also make a ranged attack. He takes out his small crossbow and fires it, and it looks like he will get a, a well, very a lot higher than a twenty, and those. There will be two uh, d4 plus six damage for his little crossbow, and he'll do eight points of damage to the terrible eye tyrant. So first blood has been done, and now Wendell Woolbeard, what do you do, sir? I must insist on casting Jolting Bolt. Jolting Bolt, a spell of great power, and lightning bolt, a thick lightning bolt erupts from your fingertips and it will hit that target automatically as it is classed as a magic missile. 3d10 damage on that one I believe. Yes. 15 damage. Very good. Every bit of damage counts against such a terrible creature. Go back to hell. I like that line very nice. And then... I'm afraid it is the bottom of the round, meaning that the loser of initiative, which in this case was the Eye Tyrant, will now act. Also, thus far in the game, you have found that uh, the default target roll when making a test is usually 10. This is very good for high-level characters such as yourselves. It means you very rarely fail, and it's almost impossible for you to fail some saves. However, the Eye Tyrant is a monster of the Second Order as seen here in and at this point plunger triumphantly produces a hidden book you guys haven't seen yet it says monsters of the second order on the cover and there's a big picture of the eye tyrant it's a monster of the second order therefore saving against a monster of the second order requires a save roll of 20 gentlemen now we're really getting into it now we're playing druids of dragondale now it's getting serious so please make a save as the central, uh, as the fourth eye stalk on its head begins to glow. Please save versus spells, and uh, you need a 20. I will roll for Silas, and uh, Ugh, this is life or death. Silas gets a 24, and he saves. Do okay. either of you fail? Mike Tyson has not failed. Oh. Mike Tyson got a 23. Very good, very good. 21. You think 20 is not that bad. 20 is not that bad for high-level characters such as yourselves. However, some they're just barely saving over the mark, most of us. And all of all of you, all of the characters feel this terrible pull as if their body was just about to be yanked by some invisible force, almost as if you're going to be hurled across the room by some kind of telekinesis. But luckily, you've staved it off. The Eye Tyrant hovers malevolently over the crack in the lava, making any sort of melee attack against it somewhat problematic. And we're now at the top of the round. I've rolled an initiative, and I have a four for the Eye Tyrant. What do you guys have? Uh, six. Then you once again have seized the initiative. Mike Tyson, action is yours. Um, so... It, it's like floating over this uh, lava crack thing, right? Yes, you could make a melee attack against it, but that would be committing to a leap across the uh, crack. Stabbing at oh, it. That sounds dangerous. Yes, it um, is. Heroic, but dangerous. In that case, um, I'm going to just throw my, my last throwing axe um, at it, and, and I'm, I'm going to try to go for the, the big eye in the, in the middle. Big eye with a minus six. Please do yeah. so. Oh, 
No, I miss again. Oh, well, that's uh, unfortunate, but again, heroic. Uh, nice try. But uh, now both of your throwing axes are lying on the other side of the crack. And we'll now move on to Silas, who once again fires his uh, his uh, little miniature crossbow. And uh, he actually gets a 27, which is pretty good. And he will he will hit that terrible creature for another 8 points of damage again. So you've done now a total of uh, 31 points of damage already, however, to the Eye Tyrant, and it is Wendell Woolbeard's turn. Well, it seems that I must now cast Light of Vitality on myself so that I do not perish. Yes, and don't forget you have the you have the Staff of Spell Doubling, which will allow you to cast all those spells twice you know, today instead of once, and uh, furthermore, uh, let's not forget that earlier, before we took our break, uh, Chip, your character found the uh, the neutral Avenger, the plus two sword. So when attacking with it, that would be plus two to hit and plus two damage. Oh yeah, I had forgot about that. Uh, the marshmallow fluff kind of. That's right, man. When you're getting fluffed up and playing Druids of Dragondale, accidents will happen. Especially here, what we call the vegetative state, which is about 45 minutes before you put in the John Carpenter movie and fall asleep. <laughs> anyway, what uh, what do you do? Uh, uh, Wendell Woolbeard was casting what? I'm sorry, I got sidetracked in my mind, guys. That vegetative state. I've healed myself with oh, the God. light of vitality. I'm back to full hit points. That is good. That's good. That's a good, powerful spell. And we will move on to the terrible eye tyrant. And disdaining to cast spells against as paltry creatures as you, with a great rush, it levitates forward at you quite quickly. And uh, takes attempts to take a gigantic bite out of a uh, person who deems to be the biggest threat, which is the spellcaster. And making a melee yeah. attack against you, it will score a 24. When I say you, I mean Wendell Woolbeard. Therefore, you are hit with the terrible thing's great bite. And I'm about to roll 3d6 damage, as you can see. Yeah. <sighs> Well, I didn't roll terribly high. Altogether, we just have seven points of damage. And it's nothing. since it moved, it can only attack once on this round. And it's also fortuitously brought uh, it into melee range, for better or worse. And uh, it is now a new round. Let us roll initiative. It also, again, rolls a four. Uh, you want me to? You got a dicky. Uh, You've been rolling good so far. I also rolled a four, which means yep. initiative goes to us. That's right. Players win ties. And Mike Tyson, what do you do now that the eye tyrant looms there before you? Um, I'm gonna say, um, um, take this, you foul beast. Nice role playing. And good. You've been really great at that so far. And I'm going to swing my uh, plus two sword at it, which will give me a 20. A dirty 20. Dirty 20 is enough, because you know you need an 18 to hit the eye tyrant. And that is great. So, let's have some damage. All right, that's going to be uh, 15 points. 
Well, you guys have done 46 points of damage to this terrible thing so far. Um, Silas, meanwhile, will spend the round maneuvering in an attempt to set himself up for a backstab. And therefore, he will not be in a position to attack. Uh, of course, I am metagaming here, but uh, the joke's on Silas. I'm just going to tell you guys because you can't backstab the thing because it has eyeball stalks, you know, and so on and forth. So, but Silas will have to find that out the hard way. Yeah. I can't give him power that he would not otherwise possess due to my own godlike. And I think godlike is a very good analogy for my uh, running. Yeah. I've this time, this whole time, I've been watching your eyes to see uh, if they get that certain sheen when you start thinking you're a god. I can always tell. I can see that look. So I've just been watching. Let's just say that I have seen far off times and places in my dreams, my friend. And I'm not sure what the reality and what isn't anymore. But, as you can tell, we're reaching that vegetative state of the game, and we must not allow ourselves to digress too much. I believe, uh, who just went? Uh, uh, Silas, I think, right? Yeah, because yeah, he went Silas and maneuvering back. himself into a backstab, and then I digressed. And now we're into Woolbeard's turn. And it's close up to you now, Wendell. It's trying to take giant bites of you. What are you doing about it? Oh, uh, so hot in here. I'll cast a freezing breeze. Well, suddenly the cold freezing breeze fills the room and swirls around. And it looks like that the Eye Tyrant will get a save because he's... Uh, much higher than a level 10 of an NPC. And so, we're going to see what happens here, and he has a... Mm. Well, obviously he would save against a normal spell, but uh, he, he's not going to be particularly hurt by this, I'm, I'm afraid. Uh, however, I do want you to go ahead and roll damage, because if you roll... If you just happen to roll all sixes, then I'm going to say he's stunned. This is a totally ad hoc ruling. But I'm afraid that uh, the Eye Tyrant is a little too powerful for some of your magic. Well, I rolled 12. I'm afraid that even though the icy wind breeze swirls through the room, it does little other than make the rest of you mildly uncomfortable. However, well, things I, do... I'm a little bit more comfortable now that this uh, breeze is going through here with, you know, the lava and all that. Well, that's probably very true. Perhaps that's something to do with the lava has dampened itself, its, its strength. But uh, at any rate, the spell is wisely cast, but will have no effect on the terrible eye tyrant. And it will now make its move. And please, everyone, save versus spells. As you see, the third eye stalk uh, begin to glow. And you will need a, you're needing a 20 again, gentlemen. And oh... Uh oh. Well, I'm afraid that Silas has failed his save. I heard uh oh from you, Dicky. Did you fail his uh, save? Yeah. What about Mike Tyson? 19. Mike. Oh, well. Then I hate to say it, gentlemen, but suddenly your arms and legs grow rigid and you feel your arteries hardening and your body hardening from the inside out no. you, the three of you begin to 
turn to stone. That is, oh. unless you want to use your uh, uh, one of your vital items. You all each have a luck stone where you will re-roll something once a day. And unless you use that, you will turn to stone and become the plaything of the eye tire. So I'm going to go ahead and use Silas's, and this time Silas gets a 24. Okay. Ooh, yeah. Got it that time. 20, 27. Right. I guess I'll Chip. use the luck stone. Yes, I think uh-huh. maybe you should. Otherwise, you could turn to stone. You don't know for how long or anything like that. As long as one of you isn't stone, you probably will be alright, but... And there goes that... Oh, I got exactly a 20. Well, where we go, a, a natural 20, which is great. No, it was a 13. Oh, it's a dirty 20. Wow. Dirty 20. Well, in that case, gentlemen, you avoid, being, you avoid being turned to stone. And please roll initiative for the next round of combat. And I have a two over here for the uh, eye tyrant. Six. <laughs> well, once again, you seize the initiative. And Mike Tyson, what do you do? I will uh, reiterate that the thing is still within melee range of you. Yeah, so Mike Tyson's gonna uh, he's gonna uh, swing his plus two sword at it again, uh, but this time he's gonna take the minus six to go for the uh, the big guy in the middle. I think that that's very uh, good idea, and I can see I would allow in a melee context. I didn't want to bring this up when you're throwing the axe, but in a melee context, you could use this in conjunction with, uh, of course, the striker ability. So you could add that plus six to the damage as well when you do hit. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. Yes, cool. Yes, normally it's just for voluntary, but for in this particular case, because it's an eyeball and everything, I think that's an effective. Uh... Well, he uh, gets a uh, a thirty to hit. So that certainly hits the central eyeball. Now you may roll damage, and as you may suspect, the central. Well, twenty. Sorry, I, I just want to clarify. It was actually twenty-four because of the minus six. Oh yes. One can be one can be forgiven for a rush of exuberance, but uh, there's only so much damage that the eyeball itself can sustain, regardless of the overall hit point of the creature. So, how much damage do you do? And I get to add the six to this. If yeah. you do, oh well, uh, the first roll is going to be an eight, so that's going to explode. Oh my! This is how you kill an eye tyrant. Let's go. Uh. So that's going to be. Um, Twenty-five points of damage. He was done seventy-one total points of damage to the eye tyrant. <clears throat> its eyeball, its central eye, has been completely destroyed. A terrible, foul-smelling gas begins to erupt from the tear in the eyeball. It doesn't—it doesn't have any effects on you other than to make you feel nauseated, and it's rather disgusting. The thing bellows in rage and pain, and it's Silas's turn. Silas had now attempts to uh, backstab, but he realizes that he can't because the little eyeballs behind him on top of his head can see. And he tries to make a normal attack, but he rolls a 17 and misses. And uh, he grimaces glumly, and when the Woolbeard. Can you deliver the killing blow to this thing? Because you have a feeling that the terrible monster is on its last legs. Okay. Okay. Yes. Uh, 
I must summon my magic, all my strength, and I think with my staff of doubling, I shall once again cast Jolting Bolt, for I see this is my most powerful spell, and it will hit, and it will do damage. It will. And I cast it, and I do... It's a big 3d10. Here it comes. Uh, uh, calculating uh, <laughs> 22 damage. It's late at night. I wouldn't want Abby from Math Club to see that. 22 damage, though, is more than enough that is needed to finally destroy the terrible eye tyrant. And with a, th- with a thudder that shakes his whole being, it then explodes and you are all hurled backwards and knocked onto the ground and everyone in the vicinity of the explosion takes 18 points of damage <clears throat> just from concussive force Silas takes 18 points of damage and then you think everything is over now but then there's a terrible howl and from the stairway beyond where you came in four half burnt thugbears come storming down the steps, bellowing with rage. These are the ones that you use your uh, your spell on uh, last, uh, before our break, Dickie, uh, heat waves to set them on fire, but they were not killed. They were merely driven away. They come howling down the stairs to attack you. Please roll initiative. Oh, but they have a one, so you needn't bother. And they're already charging into melee range, and what do you do? Mike Tyson. Uh... Swinging that plus two, baby. And here comes the big plus two against one of the Thugbears, who are already terribly damaged. All their fur has been burnt off. They look horrific, and they're very angry about it. Uh, that's going to be a 22, I imagine. Oh, that, yes. Yeah, so they have a 16 armor class. I'm sorry, they have a 14 armor class. Forgive me. 14 is their armor class. 16 points. 16 points of damage. The thing lets out a terrible bellow as it's, uh, as it's hit, and uh, Silas, meanwhile... Uh, attacks with uh, 23 will hit with his uh, his wee little scimitar and he's going to attack that same one that you just attacked which has 4 hit points left he did 8 points of damage so that one is dead the other 3 still active and Wendell Wilbur what do you do? Uh, perhaps they didn't perhaps they came back for some more heat wave uh oh! Little did they know you carried the the staff of spell doubling. Ooh, ten damage. Each of them takes ten damage. However, this is not enough to totally kill them. But and of course, if they had any fur left, such a terrible burns and blisters all over their scr- their skin, screaming. They now take their turn, and all three of them. Bull rush, Wendell Woolbeard, and begin pushing him back towards the lava. Um, Wendell, please make a strength test. Oh, you please. shall not pass! <laughs> please make a strength test to uh, avoid being hurled into the lava. And and by that we mean get higher than a 10. Make a strength roll and roll the dice and add your strength bonus. 
which in your case is a big fat one. So you need a nine or higher. Okay. Otherwise. Uh. Otherwise. <laughs> otherwise. <what? laughs> and you've already, unfortunately, I believe you have already used your luck stone for the day. Otherwise, you're hurled towards the lava, and as you pitch over the edge, you are able to make one last desperate attempt to grab on by your fingertips. Uh, and this, of course, will be a dexterity check, and you need a 10 or higher, please. Otherwise, okay. you'll be tumbling into the lava, which will not be pleasant. Yeah, uh, better. Okay. Well, I'm going to be really mad if you kill Wendell Wilbert. I'll never talk to you again. Well, All right. there's not that many Druids from the Dragondale game oh, masters oh. from Jupiter Springs. So. Natural 20, baby. Whoa, natural 20. I wouldn't have believed if I had seen it myself <laughs> with my own eyes. Amazing. Amazing. You hang on, but you know that those, those terrible thugbears that's going to come up and stomp on your fingertips in just a moment. But let's roll initiative to see if they have a chance. Oh, I rolled a one again. Can you believe that luck is with you guys? The gods of... of the, the druids of Dragondale smile upon you. And so, uh, Mike Tyson, the pugilist, will have the first action. There are three terrible thugbears still left. They look like they're going to go stomp on Wendell's fingertips. What will you do? Uh, well, unfortunately for them, in order to push him into the lava, they had to get really close to the edge themselves, the dumbasses. Yes, they so did. Yeah. I'm gonna push him. Yeah, I'm going to try to, like... I, I don't know. I mean, how big are thug bears? Well, they're eight feet tall. They're pretty big. So probably be pretty, pretty big, pretty big ask to like knock them all in with one hit. So I'm just going to try to hit one I of think them. That's like, a very good idea. But I think that if you hit one and you're rushing towards it, charging, which you have room to do, then I could see the hit falling him falling in. Yes. What I'd like to do is run in the direction of the thug bears and then leap into the air and then kick him and then like stop like a cue ball but like he goes like the like the ball that got hit you know what i'm saying sure i think i understand what you mean although i've never been uh, one for billiards it's hard for me to lean over the table uh, but <laughs> uh, anyway um please do go ahead and make this attack uh, that's going to be a uh, 19. 19 certainly hits the creature. If you any damage at all to him, he will stumble backwards, so please roll your damage. It might be enough to Let's kill him outright. Well, I'm trying to knock him in the in the suit. You're still going to do damage him when you uh, oh, crash into yeah. him, so you may as well roll it. Uh, I don't seem to have a melee damage written your down Your melee damage will be D6 plus 3. I'm sorry, it will be your melee damage is D6 plus 7. That'll be 8. And I'm going to subtract 2 from that because I told you D6 plus 7 and it's D4 plus 7. But, six. and he is not quite dead, but that's even better because as he stumbles, he still has uh, 4 hit points left to burn to death as he falls into the lava and his screams are immediately muffled. Um, that's terrible. It's like Temple of Doom in here, you know, guys are just burning up left and right. And at least that one is. And, uh, Silas. And, uh, and he's a thug as well. Uh, thuggy, yes. Thuggy cult. Okay, and uh, Silas comes up 
with an incredible hit, and we're going to go ahead and roll his damage with... Well, it's too bad his dice don't explode, but as it is, he'll do nine points of damage to the other one. It teeters at the edge with only one hit point, so he blows on him, and he falls in. I think we can agree that that's appropriate. And then, uh, with the Wolfbeard, there's, uh, one left. What do you do? Um, well, uh, I'm hanging on for dear life. You can probably pull yourself off. Okay. I'm gonna do that in... if I can. Well, I have gym class with you, and I know how hard it is for both of us to do pull-ups in real life, but this is a pull-up when it really counts, so uh, please make that strength roll and pull yourself up. Just pretend that Coach Miller is there behind you, screaming at you, calling you a candy ass. Uh, uh, well, uh, with a plus one, I got a ten. Well, there you go. You got barely made it up to the very top, and uh, there's still one left, and now it gets to go, and it kicks you and tries to knock you back in. But it misses you, and you know how sometimes when you try to kick and you uh, lose your balance and you fall on your ass? That's what happens to the last one. And, Charlie uh, Brown. The last one falls like Charlie Brown on his ass. And uh, Mike Tyson is your turn. No, I'm sorry. We roll initiative again. And oh, but he got a one, so god damn. <laughs> I have to change out this D6 that they're rolling. But Mike Tyson is your turn. Um, so he's on his ass, yeah? He's on his ass. Punch him. <laughs> I'm just going to kick him, I think, because he's closer to my feet. Okay. Um, so I'm going to kick him into the, like, punt him into the lava. Go for it. That's going to be a 27. That certainly hits him. And let's have that D4 plus 6 for the unarmed damage. Oh. Uh, well, it went on the floor, but I can see it from here, and that's going to be 10. Yes, I can see it from here, too. That's a, and I think that that's enough. Well, first of all, that kills him, and so he's dead before he hits the lava. But... In the lava, he is. Now, you haven't had much time since you got in here to explore this place. The dominant feature of the room is obviously that crack with the lava and then the, of course, terrible eye tyrant. Now, of course, it has been defeated as have its thug bear and kobo and grassy knoll minions. In this room, there's a small, a very narrow stairway that leads up about halfway up the wall. Uh, to your right, and there's a very small doorway, and there's flickering torchlight coming from that chamber. Do you wish to explore it? Uh, oh, yeah. What I'd like to say is such a, a very, very narrow stairway. Everyone, please make dexterity rolls as you climb the stairway to avoid falling in where it goes over the lava. Oh, man. And uh, Silas make, makes it, but barely. Oh. I got mine. 17. Okay. So it sounds like no one falls in, right? 12. Okay, good. When you get to the top of the stairs, there's a very, very small room inside. There's a torch flickering, and uh, it appears that there's this... uh, Maybe there was a, a... A few Kobo guards in here or something keeping an eye on it, but they must have fled during the, uh during the, the fighting downstairs and you didn't notice in the, in the confusion because they've abandoned their post. But you see their little stools and the little filthy uh, chamber pot where they've been messing. And they didn't put the stools in the chamber pot? <laughs> <laughs> no, they've been, they've been eating out of the chamber pot and shitting in the corner. Um, 
But what's really in here is a, a big, heavy-looking bag. It looks like full of lumpy objects. And sitting in a niche in the wall next to the torch is a small jewelry case. Oh, uh, I'm going to approach the jewelry case and, uh, um, careful. Yeah, I, I, I'm suspicious that, like, it might have a trap or something, but I don't think I can, like, disarm traps. So I'm just going to look at it very carefully. Okay, and you do so, and it's very beautiful. Truly a jewelry case fit for a princess. Wendell, I think this might I think this might have the ring in it, but it also might be uh you know uh, uh red herring. Uh now that's a fish or a uh It's an idiom <laughs> I knew that. Uh I shall tell Silas to check for traps. Silas does so and he believes it is trapped. He spends another few minutes disarming the trap, pull the wire out of the wall. You can see that uh, there's a guillotine-like system in a little niche that uh, would have slid down and chopped your hand off, he explains to you. But he's disarmed it, so uh, he reaches in and grabs the uh, grabs the jewelry case and tosses it up in the air. Which one of you wants to catch it? Go for it, pugilist. Okay, so Mike Tyson catches it. Meanwhile, uh, that the big heavy sack turns out to be a huge sack of gold. You estimate there's about a thousand pieces of gold in it. Uh, Whoa! Larger than normal uh, gold pieces. Do with the picture of the old king from the die the big dying kingdom from the uh, to the west. Pictures of the old king on it. Very old coins, but uh, enough to uh, set a man up quite comfortably. Maybe not for life, but uh, 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 we'll split this. Okay, but, uh, well, I guess we'll do that later. Uh, and I'll carry this, and you carry the, um, jewelry box. Yes, yes, it's very, very heavy, and you struggle with it. And after a while, Silas offers to help you with it, and everybody really has to take turns with that big, heavy bag after a while. But, uh, you're able to leave the place. There seems to be no, uh, holes yet uh, unexplored. No doors yet unexplored or gone through. However, there was one area where there was a big, terrible, big pile of rubble, you recall, that you couldn't get past. So, I'm quite certain, and so are you, that there are other passages and other theories of rooms and other dungeons, if you will, hidden here in the maze of chaos beneath the heap on the borderlands. But for now, you have cleared it. And I assume that you will make your way back to the castle of the Amber Princess. Well, uh, did we really look through the jewelry to see if there is a ring? Not yet. I was just about to. I was just about to suggest we do that before I go back, not knowing if there's actually a ring in here, and try to marry. Her. That, that would be very embarrassing. Opening up, you do find yeah. a ring. However, it's, it's still on the finger bone of what looks like the finger bone of a Gelf Lord. You found Gelf Lord Derek's middle finger. <laughs> I'm going to uh, take it, the finger and take the ring off of it and then put the finger in my pocket because um, that could be useful to like wave at people. <laughs> you know, no, wave a, a dead Gelf Lord's middle finger at them as extra insults. That's just 
But this is clearly the ring that was described to you. It is the crescent sun embracing the crescent moon. You know, it's basically a stylized, you know, eclipse sort of thing. And it's quite beautiful. And with this, it is said, uh, uh, a person who is brave and true of heart, who possesses this ring, may wed the Amber Princess and uh, have rightful title to rule over these lands. So, having achieved your purposes here, you're not able to leave the heap on the borderlands behind you. But as you and as you go out the way you came in, you can see that uh, the, the rosy fingers of dawn have already colored the sky, and you've passed the entire well, evening. I was hoping that you would describe the sky for us. Um, uh, just, I just want to take it all in. You know, this is a great fantasy that we don't uh, get to have, you know, every day. So. We don't we don't get to see the sunrise every day. Although I think we will probably see it rise today, gentlemen, because it's going to rise in, a, in not that long from now in real life, of course. Yes, but the colors here are so much more vibrant. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. And it, it, this with this splash of color in the sky above you as the sun begins to climb, uh, do you wish to uh, make the day's journey? Or do you want to power through and? Uh, go home and see the princess immediately or are you going to stop here and rest your weary bodies outside of the gaping mouth of the heap well it's been a while you know since we've slept we came right uh, from uh, the castle to the heap and then fought a bunch of things so uh I say we rest. Uh, I need my rest. And you better get your rest if you're planning on marrying a princess. Better look your best. Well, Wendell, I don't disagree at all. I think uh, it's in our best interest to uh, set up camp here and... Uh, you know, get our luck stones back for the next day so that if I have to roll to get lucky with the princess, I have a luck stone to use. Yeah, that's good thinking. Yeah, I thought so. <laughs> well, in that case, do you want to just make your camp right here outside of the uh, the heap? What's on top of this heap? Just jumbled and uncomfortable rubble. Oh, well, sounds uncomfortable then. So I guess at the base of the heap... Yes, this will do. Right, well, I'm going to unroll me bedroll and uh, start setting up a fire with me flint and steel. Yes, and Silas also goes about his uh, his nightly duties to set up a campsite. And, uh, and I assume you keep watch throughout the night as per usual, but luckily for you guys, the night passes without incident. Um... And you're, you're lucky because there's an extra chance of an incident this close to uh, such a perilous place. But you, when I say, of course, the night passes without incident, I mean the day. Because unless you're going to sleep all day and then sleep all night the next night, then after you get in your eight hours, there'll be twilight again. There's worse things than a midnight stroll. You know, I don't um, remember... If there were any, because I remember there was like a um, a jelly thing and stuff, but I don't remember if that was like 
in the in our way. I think it was. It was in your way when you went the first way, but you took a secret shortcut here to from the uh, castle of the Amber Princess, following the marks on the trees. Which, That's which, right. which you think you could now you can now uh, retrace your steps without any problems. Probably by moonlight as well. Well, uh, I vote. Uh, I vote that we sleep uh, sleep all day and then journey through the night to the uh, the Amber Princess. On through the night. Well, that is what you do, and that day does pass without incident. And the, as twilight is falling, of course you're waking and have a meager meal and uh, continue on your way. Of course, if you're taking the path back through the forest, the shortcut, you will have to pass the barrows and the barrel blights once again. But now that you've already encountered them once, you know not to even turn your head in that direction at all, because those blight eyes could make you fall apart if you are not careful. And you sneak past the terrible barrel blight. And finally, through a long evening, which, again, I roll the exact same thing, passes without incident, you are very lucky. Of course, you must move slowly because it's a forest and there's no path per se. This is the path that you follow from tree marking to tree marking, which only the druids can read, of course. And when you yes. finally emerge from the forest into the little meadow that is in front of the, pal- the castle of the Amber Princess, <clears throat> it is a picturesque scene and it would be perfect as the sun is rising and casting its light off of the turrets of the castle, which I will remind you are made of solid amber, and they, so you can imagine how they glow and glint in the sunlight. However, there's something else that is glowing and glistening. For the huge and terrible body of the ogre jelly is halfway wedged itself through the front door of the castle, and from the tall tower um, beneath the amber turrets, the amber princess is crying out to you, Help me! Help me! Please help me! As the ogre jelly attempts to force its massive bulk in through the little fairy tale like castle door, what do you do? I'm only afraid of one thing, it's, and it's ogre jellies, but I think now is the time we must gather our courage. And we must face this terrible monstrosity. In that case, gentlemen, roll initiative for what promises to be the final fight of the evening. And I have a three for the ogre jelly. Come on, Dickie. Uh-oh, one. The ogre jelly seeing you, uh, even though you're, again, this is not like a huge far distance away, but you're nevertheless surprised when a pseudopod forms in the formless body of the ogre jelly, which is indeed just like a great big gigantic jelly. And it's the size of like a school bus, say. And a huge pseudopod leaps off the thing and swings towards you all as if to deliver an incredible backhand. And all three of you... 24. So, that will hit all three of you, therefore, you must save or be knocked down and in addition to that you take nine points of damage 
And let us not forget our, was it five hit points from sleeping through the night? Yes, get your five hit points back from sleeping through the night. And when I say save, by the way, I don't mean against the 10, I mean against its attack roll, which was a 16, without modifiers, which is a 16. So please go ahead and save against a 16. Uh, I'm going to spin that luck point. Well, I think you'd better, or you'll be knocked backwards and dashed against the trees. Okay. Here we go again. Okay. Okay. 22. Left better. Of course, you still get nine points there, but now you may attack the uh, the terrible thing. Okay. And so our pugilist will, of course, go first. Um. <clears throat> well, does Wendell have anything he wants to do first that I don't want to be in close proximity to? Uh, oh, he's got plenty he can use, but, uh, okay, yes, uh, well, how about, uh, sudden, sudden stalagmites? Well, that sounds good, let's, let's go for it. Okay, I cast it. Very well. Now, as you can see from your uh, character seat, the, the sudden stalagmites uh, cause rock spikes to erupt from the earth, and they do three thick points of damage to the thing. Oh, man. Uh, 13. Very well. You've done 13 terrible points of damage to it. And Silas, meanwhile, let's not forget our good friend Silas, uh, swipes at the pseudopod with his sword. Oh. Doing 8 points of damage, so he's done 21 points of damage to the thing so far. And now it is a new initiative, and I have a 6 here, so I'm going to roll a 6. You forgot to let uh, Chip go. Did I? Well, it, well I deferred to, to Will. Oh, that's right. So now Chip go. All right. But I'm going to well. keep that 6 for initiative. <laughs> so... Is it in melee range? I forgot. Well, the pseudopod part of it still is. Okay, I'm gonna swing it. I I don't know if you should. I can't. I can't tell you. Okay, we'll find out what happens. I don't know. I think I know. I'm. I've heard of these things. I know about them. Uh, Well, it might melt my sword, but you know, what can you do? It might might split in two. Oh, that would suck. Well, I hit with, or I don't know if I hit. I don't know what armor class is, but I got a 17. Okay, yes, his armor class is only 12 because it's so big and easy to hit. Uh, but 17 hits, and please, go ahead and roll your damage. Uh, that'll be 12. Mm-hmm. Together, you've done a total of 33 points of damage to this thing. And now, we roll initiative, and it gets uh, fixed. It doesn't split in two? No, it doesn't split in two. Okay. No, you're, you're you're thinking of the vi- you're thinking of the vile pudding. Yes, I must have been thinking of the vile pudding. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's from the yeah. That's that's true. That's the vile pudding you're thinking of. It's just this. Uh, it appears my my fear was misplaced on these ogre jellies, for they are just one solid 
goopy mass that cannot be split in two and shall perish easily. Well, with those are very bold words. And therefore, roll initiative. And if you get a six, then you guys are going first. And if not, then you will not go first. Oh, five. Well, I'm afraid... Oh, well, that's too bad. I'm afraid that the terrible ogre jelly will go first. But this time, instead of battering at you with a pseudopod, it reaches out to uh, to grab you, Wendell Willbeard, and it is attempting to actually grab you, and I have a 27. And in addition to you taking damage from the acidic touch of it, to the degree to 14 points of damage. You are now grabbed in the pseudopod and are being pulled slowly and inexorably backwards towards the main mass of the ogre jelly's body. I'm done for! As if, as if, as if serve you right for saying you are not quite as afraid of it as you thought. And you, the thought of being slowly digested inside the body over the course of uh, many long months is almost too much to bear. And, uh, that was its turn, and it is Mike Tyson's turn. Well, can't let this thing take Wendell. I'm going to try to whack at the pseudopod that's got Wendell. That's a good idea, and uh, please do it. <coughs> and if your damage exploded and you do happen to do more than 20 points of damage in a single attack, you would be able to sever the pseudopod. Not kill the beast, but sever the pseudopod. But... It would probably require damage dice exploding. Well, it gets exactly a 14, which I believe it's armor class. Oh, I think you said it was 12. Yeah, that's 12, yeah. All right, well, let's... Come on, 8. No, that's just a 4. Plus 7, um, 11. Well, you've done 44 points of damage to the terrible ogre jelly. Meanwhile, the the Amber Princess continues to watch from the battlement. And, uh... She doesn't seem like particularly helpless. She's not there swooning or anything, but uh, the, the, the palace is too well constructed. There's no like loose, loose roof tiles she can throw down at the creature or anything like that. And a, I didn't, I didn't know she was watching. I'm now I made a fool of myself. Well, she's definitely watching all of you, and uh, she was crying for help up there, of course, at the beginning. It was only a matter of time before that ogre jelly made it here. It was just it can only move about you know not that far every day, so. Anyway, it's Silas's turn. If Silas is unable to backstab the thing, takes a normal attack on it, he is going to hit. And, well, dang, I wish his dice, I wish his dice exploded, but then I, he wouldn't really be a saddle specialist anymore. So together, you guys have done 53 points of damage to the terrible thing. And Wendell Woolbeard, what do you do? Now is your chance to impress the princess. Uh, well, I've got to sever this pseudopod. Uh, so I will uh, strike at it with my Vorpal Sword of Chaos, which is a plus two, as you know. Yes, I do. Okay. So. All right. And that will be a 23. That will certainly hit. Let's have some damage. Okay. Ten damage. You do not sever the pseudopod, but you have hit some vital cluster of nerves that is inside the terrible thing's body. And with a great flutter and a splashing sound, 
its structural integrity falls apart, and now there is merely a jelly-like goo stretched across the lawn and through the empty and through the open foyer foyer area of the castle, and it's very sticky but essentially harmless. And you jelly. <laughs> and so <laughs> that's better than the, the fucking joke I was going to make about the goo that was going to be yes well now that the whole area is covered in sticky goo you're able to make your way in and the amber princess rushes down the stairs to greet you and uh, are you displaying the ring or does she know can she see that you have the ring um well as she as she comes through the door I'm going to uh, bend the knee pull out the uh, box where I've removed the bone and yes. placed it in my pocket. Remove the stink finger. Yes. <laughs> Don't show her the bone. <laughs> not to taste, yeah. Not, not, I mean, not right away, anyway. Um, so, so uh, anyway, um, yeah, like, um, as she comes through the door, I'm going to, like, uh, I've got the bone in my pocket, and I'm going to um, uh, get down, like, on my knee and, like, present the box to her and, like, like open it up and say, um... <clears throat> Milady, is this the ring? It is. It is the ring. And she clasps her hands to her mouth in wonder, and her eyes grow wide. Who gets the ring, me or you? Well, it is for you to... If you wish to claim your prize, then you must do so. Uh, well, uh, uh yeah, so, uh, um, uh, uh, which, uh, give me your... May, may, may I take your hand, madam? Yes, yes you may, says the Amber Princess. Uh, this is so awkward. <laughs> Shut up, dude. <laughs> right, He's so... Bumbling and stumbling and sweating all over her. <laughs> so, uh, so, uh, I'm gonna take her hand and I'm gonna, um... No, because I got the, the box in both hands. So I'm going to set the box on the ground, and then I'm going to take her hand, and then I'm going to take the ring, and I'm going to um, slide the ring onto her finger and say, um, Right, how's that feel? <laughs> well, it's not it's so romantic. It's not exactly the world's most romantic proposal. Oh, you want romance, eh? Right, sorry. Um... Um, kiss me, her, kiss her, you fool! Man, I feel sorry for Abby in real life, Chip, because you have like <laughs> no romance in your body. Making out behind a Frogger machine—that's your idea of romance. All right. Well, uh, let me. Uh, perhaps I can start this over. <clears throat> My lady, I've traveled the length and breadth of this fair land. Well, it's not really fair. It's kind of, you know. Foul. Uh, infested with like you know horrible things and, and such but uh, in spite of that I've traveled far and wide in search of this ring that I might bring it to you and take your hand in marriage oh my that's much more like it I will I will marry you even though I shall live on for thousands and thousands of years and our time together will be all too brief you will flower and fade away. I'm sure he will. Uh, he he will appreciate every moment with you. 
And I so appreciate every moment with him. But first, we must be married, and a holy man must conduct the ceremony. It is you, Wendell Wilbeard, who must marry us. Yes, I shall. And uh, we and Mother Nature shall be witness to this holy matrimony. And Silas, you may be the best man. Otherwise, I would be, but I am performing this holy ritual. I'll be a witness, says, says Silas. But the Emperor Princess, uh, immediately with happiness, uh, kisses, uh, kisses Mike Tyson on the cheek, and she runs up to the top of the tower, and she blows this huge horn that sounds all throughout the valley and tells you that the guests must arrive before the ceremony can be conducted. And she claps her hands, and many unseen servants, invisible servants that you were not previously aware of, who were not capable of driving out those unwelcome suitors, but they're certainly capable of preparing a great feast, which now occurs. And they're cleaning the place up and, and mopping up all the slime from the ogre jelly that's all over the front foyer and the garden. And by evening... A host of Gelf lords of the forest has arrived, resplendent in their, in their finery. And in a small coach and carriage pulled by a baby miniature donkey, uh, the mayor of Munchkinshire arrives with uh, several, <laughs> several Munchkins of the Munchkinshire, including important members of the Lollipop Guild and other functionaries. Uh, they arrive. And, uh, and finally, just, just before the sun sets, the great Trog King of the Mountain Hall arrives with his retinue to witness this. But no men from the Tower Town arrive. Lord Richard does not send any messengers or representatives to the wedding, even though he was invited. What a dick. Could it, well, and could it be... Hey, I, take, I don't like when you say that as a pejorative... Well, his name's Richard. It was the part. It was a joke. I know, but you're making fun of the name, and I just yeah. don't think that it's cool, man. Dicky's always been sensitive about that. Um, now, listen. It's possible, though, that Lord Richard knows that whoever weds the the Amber Princess will have rightful title to rule these lands, at least according to the uh, the rules and laws of the old kingdom. And perhaps trouble could be brewing with Lord Richard in the future. But we shall have to wait until another exciting installment. Because as we end this session tonight, gentlemen, we'll end with a wedding. And so, with all the great lords of the forest, and with the Gelf lords, and the mayor of Munchkinshire, and the Trog King of the Mountain Hall, and all these fancy people here before you, Wendell Wolber, would you please conduct the ceremony of marriage? According to the ancient rites of the Druids of Dragondale. Yes, by the power of the Druids of Dragondale, I thee wed thee, <laughs> and you may now smooch the bride. Well, are you right. going to smooch her? Well, yeah. I mean... Yeah, I'm uh, not gonna not smooch her, right? I mean, well, before while you're thinking about it, as you <laughs> hesitate, the uh, the Amber Princess grabs you, and you know how like when you kiss a girl and you dip her backwards, she dips you backwards, and uh, dips you backwards and kisses you, and the Trog King and the Gulf Lords of the Forest and the Mayor of Munchkinville and everyone applauds, and uh, Silas Silas cries a little tear. 
Silas Prime Weddings. Silas says, uh, I will shed but one tear and sop it up with my woolen beard. Well, all right, gentlemen, I think that that's a good enough uh, wrap up for uh, Chip's very first Druids of Dragondale session. Yeah. And, uh, pretty rad, huh? Yeah, that's pretty pretty cool. Uh, but you know what, Mike Tyson has one last one last thing. Well, we haven't stopped. We haven't pushed stop on the cassette player yet. So go ahead. So once um, you know he comes up out of his dip um, with the princess, uh, he's gonna say um, chip and dip, chip and dip. That's right. <laughs> once he comes up out of there, um, he's gonna be like, uh, right. So now that uh, we're married, no. Um, what's your name? I am merely the Amber Princess. This is all you need to know. Well, you don't have like a name like Dorothy or like Karen. No, it's Amber. Amber. Amber Tyson. <laughs> right. Sounds good to me, love. Oh, no. I was thinking you'd take my last name, she says. And that's where we'll go ahead and press stop right here. Uh, and I'm telling Abby you kissed <laughs> a gelf. I don't know if imaginary girls count. Well, you tell that to them. Uh, I know women pretty well. <laughs> well, for me, there will only be one woman, and uh, she's a woman that uh, you know. Usually, guys, I like to watch a John Carpenter movie, but I have here this laser disc of uh, the animated classic Heavy Metal. There's only one woman for me, and she's in this movie. So, what do you guys say that we uh, need the rest of this marshmallow oh, no. fluff and? Uh, and watch some heavy metal. As the heavy sun metal. Comes, as the sun comes up. More like heavy meta. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, I kissed a gelf and I liked it. <laughs> I wrote that. I wrote that, man. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay, so I think that that's that's uh, that's it. I think that wraps up our uh, our four part Druids of Dragondale series. All right. Well, that was that was fun. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I guess that'll be it for this episode. And stay tuned next time. We already think we know what we're going to play, but we never like to say. So we, we, we give ourselves the, the right to change our minds. But but uh, I do hope that uh, I'll have a, a chance to practice my Irish accent a lot before the next episode. That's all I can say. Even though it's not set in Ireland. Oh, mystery. Mystery. So anyway... If you want us to play a certain game, please send us an email at gooniesworldpodcast at gmail.com. And yes, always got to remind the listeners as well to uh, give us a good, uh, good, nice, good rating. Yeah. Five stars. That's right. It's good for our self-esteem. Yeah, it makes me feel better. Yeah, yeah it really does. It really does. Okay, well, in that case, gentlemen, I think we'll go ahead and sign off this episode of Goonies World, and we'll see everybody next time. Say goodbye to the nice people. <laughs> <laughs>